Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of You Like That. It's episode 7 and I think this is going to be the last episode of what I'll call season 1 just because I am about to graduate in a couple weeks and then I'm about to move like halfway across the country so there's gonna be a lot going on in my life and I don't want to like promise when the next episode's going to be. Plus, I would like to maybe revamp this a little, structure it a little better. So this is going to be my last episode, not for too long, probably for like a month-ish, until I'm like settled in Syracuse um, and can think of some more fun guests to have on. But I'm super excited about this episode today. Um, I think it's kind of fun sometimes, um, and it will be fun in the future for me to have guests on that all my listeners like don't know necessarily and that's the kind of start of this um I'll obviously introduce our guest later um but what I wanted to talk about first on this episode today has to do with the Euphoria season two score coming out that's done by Labyrinth um great musician I loved his stuff even before he started um composing the Euphoria score. I listened to his song Jealous um, all the time in high school, like an unhealthy amount in high school. So I love him a lot. But he composes the Euphoria score. And I think to start, I want to just kind of like explain the difference between like a score and a soundtrack. So a score is going to be like the all the like instrumental like backing tracks essentially in a movie or a tv show so like when you're thinking like the imperial march from star wars or the indiana jones theme song i'm naming all john williams right now but he's my favorite um han zimmer composes scores like that type of thing it's those pieces of music in the background that are typically just like symphony or orchestral type music um whereas a soundtrack is going to be like all the needle drops that like occur so like not every movie has a soundtrack or like potentially like the soundtrack that goes with the movie um is just songs inspired by the movie and not um actually used in it that's kind of what happened with Black Panther is Ludwig Göransson I think I'm saying his last name right was the composer for the score of Black Panther that's one of my favorite scores actually And then um, there was like the whole album that um, Kendrick Lamar did a lot of, but not many of those songs were used in the movie itself. Um, I mean, like all the stars was in the credits and I think there's like one other, but like that's like the movie soundtrack, even though those songs aren't really used in the actual film. So I'm I'm a huge fan of both. Um, I love movie scores and I'm also like, equally enticed by like what needle drops um artists um and by artists I don't mean like the the vocal artists or like the musicians I mean like the director and there's like always a person who will pick um the needle drops for a show like there's someone who is actually in charge of that like in the same way a composer is in charge of composing the score so I'm equally enticed by that and the reason I wanted to talk about it in relation to Euphoria is I've been listening to the new season two score and it's just not hitting for me the same way the first season score did. I mean, it's still great and I think there are definitely some really strong tracks on there, but 
I listen to the season one score a lot and I just can't see myself listening like repeatedly to more than like a couple songs on this um this album and I think that's because a lot of season two was driven by these needle drops by these soundtrack moments like um oh I'm trying to think of like the one that pops to mind that's one of my favorite from season two spoilers if you haven't watched season two of euphoria is in episode three during the cal montage at the beginning like cal's backstory um the it ain't over until it's over letting kravitz needle drop when they're they like going to um wrestle at wrestling practice and cal's girlfriend and then his friend like exchange this weird like knowing look um i think of that needle drop all the time um Right Down the Line has been a popular one from season two. There's a lot of really good ones. Um, And so I like equate the season more to that, those like songs than any of the, the score moments. Like there's not like a piece of the score from season two that necessarily stands out to me. Um... Or that, like, while I was watching, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait for that. At least not that I remember now, about a month and a half removed from that. Um, But season one, I feel like the opposite. Like, and it's really interesting to me because, like, season one was a lot more... When they did have needle drops, they were, like... they, They were less so needle drops than just songs being used. Like, I think season two the needle drops were like much more um precise and like picked out specifically for like the moments they were going with whereas like season one a lot of this like soundtrack items that are used are just like background songs um and like used at parties and things like that but like things like Nate growing up which is one of the the score pieces from season one like if someone says that name to me like I immediately know what it sounds like um And I just think season one is a lot more score driven than soundtrack driven. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples for you guys, both TVs, TV shows and movies. So, okay. So most of the Marvel movies are score driven, um, but like Guardians of the Galaxy is soundtrack driven or Ted Lasso, I would say is more score driven though they do have some good needle drops the love and is easy rex orange county needle drop um in season two when rebecca and sam are at dinner is one of my favorites but yeah i just think it's something interesting to think about like when visual pieces of art choose to like what music they choose to go with it um so yeah let me know what are some of your favorite movie scores tv scores and then also soundtracks. Um, I have a very long drive ahead of me in the next couple weeks heading to Syracuse. So I will need stuff to listen to. And I, I love listening to movie scores and things like that. So let me know what are your favorites. Now, we're going to chat with my guest for the episode, which is Jonas Pope. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into his introduction when he's on. Okay, so as I just said, I'm here with Jonas Pope. Jonas is the NC State beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. And we met back in 2020 when I was out there as a sports intern for the NNO. Uh, one of the only people I got to meet in person, actually. <laughs> right. uh, 
just because it was the COVID summer and we were we covered a protest or two together and met in the office once, I think. So Jonas, happy to have you. We're talking Marvel today, specifically Marvel hot takes. Um, so before we get into kind of what prompted me inviting you to do this pod, like what's your familiarity with Marvel? Like how big of a fan are you? Just give us a little rundown on that. So I was trying, I was thinking this morning how I would define my fandom. And like, I, I wouldn't call myself very passionate as, as, as most folks, because like, you know, I don't buy my tickets early. I don't camp, camp out. I don't set a timer on my phone for trailers. But uh, I was I'm a diehard. Like I'm, 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 I'm really into the films. Um, I do a lot of research. Like if I go see one, as soon as I get home, I'm online, like trying to find out everything I can about the film. Um, but I haven't seen them all. So I, I'm definitely not in that category, the upper echelon of Marvel fans. Um, I was actually really late to the game. So I was, I was more of a, uh, I definitely saw, I, I was definitely more into the X-Men series uh, before I got into Marvel. I was definitely going to see those movies as recently as like 2015, 16, before I really got into Marvel. Once I got in, I was all in. So um, I'm into it a lot. You know, I'm not that hard. I'm passionate about it. Wait, did I just switch up my answers? Uh, anyway, I like them a lot. Let's, let's, let's just put it in that. What was the, what's the first like Marvel movie you remember like going to see in theaters? You know? Oh, so for sure. Back in whatever year it came out, I went to see um, the Avengers, like the, the okay. first, I guess it's called Avengers Assemble now, but yeah, um, I guess that's the official name of it. But uh, whatever year that dropped, I went to see that back in my hometown. Funny story. Uh, it was the last movie I saw back in my hometown, well, not my hometown, but my home area of, of Ronald Rapids, North Carolina, and a lady threw up in the movie theater. That's not that's my biggest memory from going to see that movie. Like a lady was like five rows in front of me and just stood up and just threw up in the floor. And I was like, okay, that just happened. Um, but yeah, that was the first one I, me- I remember going to see in the movie theater. And I think before that one, the only standalone film I saw before that one was was Iron Man. Okay. Um, but when the when the trailer came out for the Avengers, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool that they have everybody in one movie. Like, I got to go see this. So yeah, that was that was a long answer, but that was the first one I saw in the theater. No, yeah, that was great. So the tweets of yours that kind of prompted me inviting you to do this pod specifically on hot takes came on april 6th um and it was a quote tweet it was that day when everyone was like we're canceling people over things and this this particular tweet says we're canceling each other over film takes today post your cancelable film take and you quote tweeted it and said black panther wasn't all that one of the rare mcu films that i haven't rewatched have you seriously have not revisited it since you saw it um so revisited it as in like purposely sat down going to disney plus and like let me watch black panther absolutely not no okay. now have i caught it on tnt or tbs uh and just kind of sat down and watched a few minutes of it yes but have i made an effort to actually sit down and pull up and rewatch the movie again absolutely not no okay we'll we'll kind of circle back to this i want to talk okay. first, like about what your like top five favorite marvel movies are in general like I wouldn't even say like you have to necessarily rank them because I know that's something that's hard for me and like it often changes, but like top five ones that you always would like go and turn on if you were trying to choose a Marvel movie to watch. Oh no, I did rank them. I have them right here in my notes. Um, so for the longest time, it was Civil War. It was my number one. Because again, I'm, I'm a huge uh, ensemble cast guy. So when they're all together, those are my favorites. Um, but then if any war came out, say if any wars won, if any war and Endgame to me are like the same movie, just broke it up into two movies. So Endgame is two. Still Civil War is three. 
Avengers is four because it holds a special place in my heart because the first one I went to go see in the movie theaters. And again, it's all of them together. And then uh, number five is the best comedy that came out of the year is Thor Ragnarok. So that's my, that's my top five. Okay, yeah. I, I remember us having talked about Captain America Civil War before and how that's like kind of a hot, like a lot of people don't like that movie. That is also- I don't get it. That's my number one. Like if I'm like going and like need a feel good movie, which is kind of ironic because it's about like disagreement. But like, if I need a movie to put on, like I often put on that movie. I think like, I like it a lot because they're all in it. Like you mentioned, Spider-Man gets introduced and he's like my favorite now. Um, so Civil War is my favorite. And then it gets a little like murky, it changes a lot. I actually like Endgame more than Infinity War, which I would say is one of my hotter takes about Marvel. Um, and then I have Spider-Man No Way Home and then Infinity War and then Thor Ragnarok. So we have pretty similar. Yeah, we do. We're here. If they can see us, yeah. we're, we're here. Yeah. No. So talking about these movies, I think like the ones that people would say like, oh my God, how, how aren't those in your top five? Black Panther is in a lot of people's. And then also, um, oh God, why am I blanking on the name of it right now? The second Captain America. A Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. I hate Winter Soldier. <laughs> that's why we're here again. That's why we're on this podcast right now. Now, so uh, I don't hate it. When I, when I, I saw that in the movie theater as well. I've seen most of them in the movie theater. And I remember going to see Winter Soldier and falling asleep. And I was like, oh my God, this movie is so freaking boring. Yeah. And like, that's how I felt for the longest time. Before before Black Panther came out, Winter Soldier was my Black Panther. Like, I was like, I'm not going to watch this movie. Like, this movie is trash. Like, why, why, why is everyone so high on it? I will say this though, having gone back recently to rewatch it, I was kind of, I was probably hard on it, a little bit harder on it. Actually, it's, it's probably actually better than I gave it credit for, but it's still like the bottom, bottom half of my list of Marvel movies. I feel like the main argument people like make about it being like a good movie is that it has like kind of like an espionage feel to it, but like. Hmm that's just like not intri in intriguing to me and maybe it's just that I don't yeah. like that genre but I, ha I have the same thing like that opening sequence where they're on the boat it's like him and it's Cap and Natasha and then like Rumlow and all the like rest of the crew or whatever and they're like grabbing whatever they're grabbing off the boat like it's one of the worst like entries into a Marvel movie ever I feel like and it just never fails to make me like why am I sitting down to try and watch this like I don't have two and a half hours of my time for this and it also feels like I think it feels a lot like a plot device for like the rest of the Captain America franchise and like yeah. Marvel films in general because outside of like the whole like Hydra revelation inside S.H.I.E.L.D. which isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things now like what else happens in that movie? Like nothing of substance. <laughs> yeah, we have like this whole, we have this whole uh, Sam and Diane, will they, won't they with Cap and, and Black Widow. And mm -hmm. that's about it. That's like the most interesting part of it to me. And then it's some, there are some pretty cool fight scenes. I mean, the Winter Soldier himself was, was badass. He was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but the movie itself, like I said, that's, if I'm sitting at home I'm, and I'm scrolling through 20 some Marvel movies, like, yeah, uh, so, so Winter Soldier and Black Panther, like they're not getting drafted in the first round, that's for sure. They, they're not, they might not get drafted in the second round. Uh, they might be a free agent or, or you know what I'm saying, a camping bike. They, they're not getting picked in the first round for me. <laughs> so tell me about your your beef with Black Panther then, because I I like that movie. Like, it's probably still in my top 10. Um, 
like not one I would immediately throw on, but like I would definitely choose it over a lot of the other ones. Like it's it's top half for me. So what what are your kind of qualms with it? I have a few, and I've never been asked this on a public forum. Before, so <laughs> you give you giving me a platform. We can't we can't reel me in. Um, well, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. In my opinion, all right, it's one of the rare movies to me. It doesn't really do anything moving the, the big picture forward, other than kind of introduce us to Wakanda, which was important in the grand scheme of things, with like where where the uh, vibranium came from and things like that. Um, I didn't think it was a good. I mean, I didn't think it was a great villain. I mean, obviously Killmonger was the villain, but we'll get to this later. But I thought he had a point. He was right. He had a good argument. But like, he's not a great villain. He kind of st- Chadwick was 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 okay as as the, as the lead guy. I thought he I thought he served better as let's drop him in here in Civil War. Let's drop him in here in Infinity War. Like to kind of get him to carry the whole movie was like yawn um, to me. Like the most interesting character was a. Uh, was a uh, what's my man's name? Mbaku was Mbaku. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the most interesting character of, of 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 the movie to me. The most entertaining for me. And then this is this is the part where probably will get canceled. <laughs> so when that movie came out, right? The whole okay. We have I know we're on a time limit here, so I'm gonna try to keep this short. You're okay. Go go we ahead. Have, there there's there's this world where we're having this podcast. There's a world where there are other podcasts. There, there's this, this, this universe where people are really passionate about Marvel movies and people who are really into Marvel movies. I was, I was in this world before, before Black Panther. There were people who looked like me who were not in this world before Black Panther. But then Black Panther comes out, which I get it. All Black cast, we'll go out and support our own. Oh, they were all about Black Panther. Now all of a sudden, they're all about superhero movies. Now these are the same people who years ago are, are, are clowning people who watch superhero movies. You know, calling people who watch superhero movies nerds and they're getting all dressed up to the movies. That's fine, whatever. Like, but y'all not about that life. Y'all not about this Marvel life. And it's, it's just, they just took over. And I was like, it was all over social media, everywhere you go, like, small sidebar. My wife got, uh, before she's my wife, she went back to her university and was honored for 40 Under 40, 40 Under 40 Award. I think it was 2018 or 19. And so uh, all the, all the, the black people who won got on stage for a picture. And one of the ladies like, everybody do this. My wife, I knew she wasn't gonna do it. She looked at me like, no. And I was like, see, this, this, is, my, this is the problem with this. Like, this, this has become just a rallying cry and a symbol for people just because it was in a movie. Like, we got other rallying cries we could have been doing, we've been doing for years. Like, all of a sudden people see this movie and want to celebrate, which is fine. But then like, have you been to a Marvel movie since? Like you, you jumped in the pool for a little bit and then you jumped out when the water got cold. Like this, this is the whole thing that people are serious about. Don't jump in, jump out. That, that's, that's my beef with the, with the cultural aspect of Black Panther. And then on top of it, I just didn't think the movie was that good. That's oh. my, I'm off my, I'm off my soapbox. Yeah, that was, that was very eloquent, very well put, I think. <laughs> I want to come back to the Killmonger thing in a second. Um, looking forward, obviously there's going to be another Black Panther movie. Chadwick Boseman passed away. There's been a lot of discourse around recasting Black Panther or giving the mantle to like one of the other characters, particularly like people really wanted to go to Shuri or Okoye, like someone like that. Do you have any thoughts coming from someone who didn't like love the movie and didn't necessarily love Chadwick's performance in it? No, I would. I would be. I. I don't want to see them re- recast it. I would love to see them somehow work into the story that, okay. that uh, he's passed on uh, somehow, and then like I said, promote someone else that we already know. You know, somebody who's already established. I. No, I don't want to see somebody else to have to pretend that 
oh, we know this isn't who it was originally, but no, I'd rather them just recap, I mean, promote someone within and then work that angle into the story that, that he's no longer with us. Yeah, I think that's where I tend to like stand on the matter as well. And especially like with all the multiverse stuff now, like yep. it will be so easy for them to say, oh, here's Shuri and she's Black Panther in another universe. Like, and then yep, just exactly. solve the issue that way and like never, like potentially never address Chadwick's Bozeman and Chadwick Bozeman's Black Panther being gone. Anyway, right. going back to the Killmonger thing, I think you make a really good point about he is a villain who has a point and therefore doesn't entirely feel like a villain. Like, and I think this is a problem that a lot of the Marvel villains recently have had. Like, Wanda is kind of made out to be a, vis- uh, a villain in WandaVision. Have you watched? What TV, what are the TV shows have you watched? Have you watched any? So you want to jump right to my top five TV shows? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. And then let's talk about villains. <laughs> yeah. So funny you mentioned that. Uh, number one is WandaVision. I did. I ranked these as well. Uh, well, these aren't really ranked, but stuff in my lab. Well, just hear me out. WandaVision. Okay. Hawkeye. Um, what If. I was very late to What If, but I loved it. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then I have a question. Okay. Does... Does the, the little uh, Teen Thor skits, do they count? I haven't watched those, so they're not on my Those head. are hilarious. Okay. Those are hilarious. But those, I'll put that as five. Um, my hot take with the TV shows, you may have seen me tweet this as well, is that it, I did not enjoy Loki at all. Oh, I think I did see this. Yeah, um, not. But I understand how important it is to the grand scheme of things moving forward. But the show was just so boring. Every time I watched it, I felt like I was forcing myself to sit down and watch it. I wasn't enjoying it. But that's, that's my TV shows. Have you watched any of Moon Knight yet? No, not yet. Okay. So my top, whatever, however many numbers it is, six, because I included Moon Knight because I just finished the fourth episode earlier, is Hawkeye and then Loki, then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Moon Knight, WandaVision, and then What If. I will say, like, I really liked What If. I just think they could have done more with the way it was animated and, like, working the storylines more since the storylines came together in the final episode I think they could have indicated that was going to happen earlier so like there were just like little things that I thought they could have done better overall I like all the Marvel shows like I would re-watch any of them and I think yeah like, everyone needs to watch them like there are there's also been a lot of discourse recently about like do you need to watch the Marvel TV shows to see the movies and I, at this point like it feels like the answer is yes um Anyway, so going back to the villains conversation, a lot of the villains recently have felt like they aren't really villains. So I'm, I guess just like, what's your like stance on that? Like who are some quote unquote villains that you wouldn't really call villains in the Marvel universe, that type of thing? First of all, I, we're, we're rolling right into my hot takes notes here. Okay. I'll, I'll leave with this. And this is, I doubt it, Thanos, Thanos was also right. Thanos had a very, Thanos had a very good point. Uh, bad execution, but very good point. Um, so he was, he was, he's a villain, but I didn't really, I wasn't really mad at Thanos. Like I'm, 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 I'm this close to get a Thanos tattoo somewhere in my body because that's my guy. <laughs> um, like we talked about Killmonger, like it was Loki. Loki has been marked as a villain, but he's also like one of the most liked people I think by everyone universally, like in in the MCU, right? Yeah, I would say Loki at this point is more of like an anti-hero than a villain. Okay. Like yeah. that would be my stance. Okay, um, but those are my main ones. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, ego. Ego had a good. He had good intentions, but also bad, bad execution. 
Um, that's 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 the that's that's, that's the, the common factor what I got. Great intentions, horrible execution. execution. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was ego probably has the worst execution, arguably. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but he had a, he had you no. Know, I, I kind of I see, I see what he wanted. I want to bring my son in. I'm going to create this universe. Got to kill everybody to do it. But you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah I would agree with all of those I mean Thanos definitely had a point um and yeah so to my point about like Wanda I'm really curious to see what they do with her in like multiverse of madness because all of the trailers are pointing towards her being like the villain of that movie and we see her like a lot like scarier seeming than she did in WandaVision. And obviously she just went through this huge trauma and has basically just been hopping from trauma to trauma in her life. But she has like the line in the trailer um, where it's like, oh, when you do this, you're a hero. But when I do it, I'm the villain. And I think it's like interesting to see how they'll handle that moving forward. Can, anyway. can, I, can I take a sidebar real quick about Wanda? Mm -hmm. Cause this is perfect segue about my hot takes. So you watch one. So let me, you, you're, you're way into this though, way more than I am because I, full disclosure, people who are listening, when I have MCU questions, Emily can either, either text her or I send her an inbox or a, a DM on Twitter. So I, you're my go-to person most of the time when I have MCU questions. Are we to assume like that Wanda got stronger over time, like over like as time went on, she got more powerful because she's kicking ass in one division and it makes you think like, what, what, what the hell was this in Infinity War? You know what I'm saying? So are we are we to assume that she just built up this trend that got more powerful as time went along? I think so. And I think a lot of her like power, like I think she's strengthened by her emotions. So like I think okay. the fact that all of this is like has happened to her now is only okay. like continuing to make her stronger. Uh, okay. There is like some weird like power scaling I think that has happened like through the course of the movies where yeah, like she did seem like all of a sudden way more powerful than she had previously um yeah but I think I think they're trying to tie it to like her emotional side and like it's an outlet for her so like if you're like super angry like you're gonna do something more intensely or like be able to do something more intensely than you would otherwise okay would how about it how about it yeah okay so when I'm, I'm watching WandaVision I'm just looking back like okay where was this where was this energy uh, back when Thanos was kicking ass in the video world, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. What other what other hot takes do you have? Okay, so I have we've 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 gone over a couple, but I have a few more jotted down here. I can't prepare. So one of my favorite characters who gets overlooked because he was a villain was my guy Ebony Maul. I don't know why, but he's like one of my favorite dudes. Like Infinity War, he has some great lines. Like he exhausts me and just go get go get the stone. And like like uh, he said, what do you, what did he tell uh, Doctor Strange? Like that your trick, your tricks, that's impressive. You must be famous at like parties or something like that. Like you must be famous at the kids' parties or something like that. But yo, Ebony Maul was my dude. Don't ask me why. He just was. I was so happy to see him come back in Endgame. Um, another movie that kind of grew on me, and looking back, I realized how important it was to the grand scheme of things was, was Age of Ultron. Like I remember going to see that and thinking like, like, okay. But then like, once you see the end and then you go back and look at the big picture, like, okay, that movie was way more important uh in the grand scheme of things and we realized like that's when we saw cap almost at the hammer you know we meet old, we meet uh vision there's more talk about things so they go to wakanda for the first time so like, there are there are pieces in that movie uh wanda is introduced so there, there are pieces in that movie that i think grand scheme of things 
uh, worked out. Um, and this is something I always think about, like when I'm watching a movie or looking back, I'm like, damn, do we realize like how many big time actors like get MCU credits? Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, we're not even going to talk about uh, Bradley Cooper and Bing Rams. We never even see their face, but they can say that they can be at a party. You know, I'm in the MCU uh, family, right? But yeah. then people who just jump in, like Sylvester Stallone, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas. Like, let me stop you right. First of all, I'm 41. These people, these are people who are superstars in Hollywood when I was a kid and growing up in the 80s and 90s. And then they just drop them in, casually just drop them in MCU movies. Then you got Bing Rams, T.I., uh, who else we got? Lawrence Fishburne, Idris Elba, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was the first Batman I knew. And now all of a sudden, he, he just dropped him in one of the Spider-Man movies. Tommy Lee Jones, John C. Rowley, you know what I'm saying? Glenn Coach, Robert Redford, Jeff Goldblum, Marissa Tomei, who has an Oscar, Angela Bassett, Wood Harris. Like, these are people you just drop in for brief appearances in MCU movies. People who have like established careers already. And they, oh, they can add the biggest franchise ever to their, to their resume. Yeah. Yeah, you make it. Yeah, there's a that's a great point that there's so many people and like even going back like, who is it? There's like, a couple other like people who like were in the really early movies and like are now huge stars but didn't have big. I'm trying to think. There's like a main. I think like oh god, who is it? It's Olivia, the one that's dating, John. The comic John Mulaney. I can't think of her name right now. Oh, but- is it Olivia Wilde? No, other Olivia, dark hair. Oh, Olivia, uh, Olivia uh, Munn. Is it Munn? Yeah, Olivia Munn is apparently like in one of the Iron Man movies. One of the Iron Man's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's like a reporter or something like that. And like, I mean, she wasn't really big at that time, I don't think. And so now she- And later on, she pops up in one of the uh, X-Men movies. She's oh, a villain yeah. in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, that's, another, that's another game I love is like, who is played in both the MCU and the DC, even though X-Men is not DC. But that's another intercross. Another game I played myself, Emily. This is really fun. And I just I'm telling myself I spend a lot of time alone. Is that I do I do a six degrees of separation. Like, all right, let me just name I love that game. <laughs> yeah, let me just name a random actor and connect them to the MCU. <laughs> yeah. I was on a road trip a couple years ago, or I guess last year, with friends who are all also like Marvel fans and stuff, but I'm like the biggest one. And we were playing six degrees of separation in the car. And like every time I was like tying it through Marvel and they're like that, you know, that's not fair because everyone, like everyone has a connection to Marvel. Like you shouldn't be able to do that. And I'm like, it's not my fault. Like, I yeah, just, it is, it is what it is. That's just the industry. So uh, the age of Ultron take is interesting. I haven't watched that movie in a while. Um, I think you make a good point about it being like really big picture and that it like introduces all this stuff. Um, that comes up later. I don't think like it was necessarily a great decision for them to dump that all in one movie <laughs> at one time. Like it feels yeah. like they could have spread that out more because so much of that movie then ended up being like, okay, well, why is this relevant? Like, why are they making a Android? Why are they talking about this place called Wakanda? Why? Like so many of those things, it was like, no one had any clue about and because there were so many of them condensed into the movie didn't care to like dig into because it just seemed like random throwaway stuff and so now yeah people are going back and revisiting them which is yeah my two hot takes that we haven't really talked about yet the first is that i did not mind that 
Steve went back in time to live his life with Peggy at the end okay. of the Yeah, me, I don't, me either. What's the beef with it? Oh, people hate that for like a, a number of reasons. Like some people just like, don't like the fact that he like goes back and disrupts the timeline potentially. Like some people just don't like Peggy very much. So they're like, why would Steve go back and live with her? Like other, like other people point out that in the Peggy Carter show, which is not canon anymore, um, Peggy has a husband and children. And so they're like, well, so now they just take away Peggy, but like that show isn't canon. So it doesn't really matter. I thought that mo- I thought that moment was really cute. That was probably one of the m- moments I cried the hardest at in the theaters. The yeah, we, well, we all learned that Cap was trash anyway. Because another hot take of mine is that in Civil War, Cap was 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 they her, her niece, Peggy's niece, was making yeah. out with her and everything, like hooking up with her niece. So we that's my Cap is trash take right there. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so that's like one, and I think that's more. I think that's more a hot take among people who are like super super invested in Marvel or like I think a lot of people who are really obsessed with Steve slash Captain America as a character tend to take issue with that take for whatever reason like people who don't care a ton about him don't seem to mind though my mom loves Captain America and she loved that ending so um anyway my my other take I don't like Natasha that much I don't love I've heard it a lot (laughs) I don't love Black Widow I think you know like sure she's a cool character like one she's kind of like a token woman when the franchise first starts and now they've like retconned that a little bit but like also like she has a bunch of these one-liners that I think are supposed to be funny throughout like all the films she's in and none of them are funny I think Scarlett Johansson has like horrible line delivery most of the time like I just am very much anti Black Widow but I think a lot of it is the portrayal by Scarlett Johansson I think potentially if someone else had played her I would have felt a little differently though again like it's kind of like fishy because of how how she was brought in and like was very like Oh, here's here's a woman. Here's another woman besides yeah, 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 that yeah. we're gonna put in here. So, I missed one of my hot takes, but you were just reminding me. And speaking of Black Widow, one of my hot takes is that uh, her sister Yelena mm-hmm. is a top five, maybe top three MCU character in my opinion. Like she, first of all, like we all, I think everyone can agree that she took over and she owned like Black Panther the movie. I mean, not Black Panther, Black Widow the movie. Yeah. Like I remember being in a theater on my phone, like who is this woman? Because she's she's jumping off the screen. And mm-hmm. she is stealing the show. Like yeah. Florence Pugh stole the show. And then when she pops up in um in Hawkeye, mm-hmm. same thing. Like I could I can walk around my house and for no reason just start saying Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop, the way she was saying it, because this this Florence Pugh is a superstar. I can't I'm I'm embarrassed to admit how much time I spent on YouTube just watching random Florence Pugh videos doing nothing because I just think she is a superstar. Yeah, top top five, maybe top three MCU characters. Yeah, I am a huge Florence Pugh stan ever since she was in the 2019 Little Women um, movie. She's great. She has, she does every once in a while, she'll like post like a ton of Instagram stories just of her like cooking a meal in her kitchen. And she's like so charismatic. Like it's she it's is. wonderful. She's great. She, uh, ha- she has a video I found. She's uh, 
a YouTube video. She's just tasting different foods and commenting on our one. It's like 20 minutes. I said, like, all she's doing is literally, literally all she's doing is eating and commenting on her food. But like you said, she has so much personality and just whatever she says, just is she's a superstar in my eyes. Like she can do no wrong. Yeah. And I think, I mean, like Yelena, like will definitely be a big character moving forward, or at least I would hope that they would make her a big character moving forward. It's kind of, I think, a little hard to tell right now what they're planning to do movie-wise past Doctor Strange. I mean, obviously the Love and Thunder trailer just came out the other day. That's going to be fun, but that feels like it less ties in to the main storyline. Um, so like, I'm Was that Thunder? Of- you just say Love and Thunder and it's Thunder right on cue? Yeah, pretty much. I hope you can hear that in the recording. <laughs> kind of awesome. But um, yeah, I'm curious because they've introduced all these new characters now or like rebranded characters. Like obviously Sam Wilson is Cap now and where's that going to go? And they've introduced like kind of all these like younger versions of the characters. Like surely Wanda's twins will re-pop up because they have a big role in the comics. So I, right. I'm curious like where it's going to go, which I think brings us nicely to like my kind of closing question which is like what Marvel project are you most looking forward to like one that's upcoming or even I'll open it up to like what's one that isn't like announced or planned but you would like to see no you just said it I mean you saw my reaction you said Thor Love and Thunder I was like yes that's the one like that's the one I cannot wait for that's the one listen Emily in my in my movie going history I, I tend to like to go to movies alone like during the week like this time of the day, because I can just sit there and enjoy it. But I felt throughout the years I've missed out on so many. Like, like I go, to, I gotta go watch the reactions on YouTube because I don't get that when I'm sitting in the theater by myself. But I'm like, yo, Love and Thunder. I'm going to see that opening night, full theater. I'm, I'm gonna get the whole experience. So that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, that's definitely high on my list. I think as of right now, just coming off of Spider Man, like I'm very excited for Multiverse Madness. Um, yeah. But like looking beyond that, because that feels like it's so close now that like there's more things to be excited for. Thor: Love and Thunder probably at the top yeah. of the list. I am. I got another one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Another one. Go ahead. They, uh, uh, Agatha from from WandaVision. Does she have like a show coming up? I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Agatha show should be good. I'm also looking forward to Blade, um, which mm-hmm. is still date TBD, but I think that'll be interesting, um, especially because apparently he's the voice at the end of the eternals in that like post-credit scene with okay so i haven't seen all haven't finished the internals yet you haven't finished the eternals yet yeah i told you i'm not like i haven't seen them all i don't that's true i tried i started the eternals and i was just like what is happening like this is so slow and i've been meaning to get back to it but i just haven't yet but i will Apologies for spoiling one of the end credit scenes. But, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. by, by, by the time I get to it again, I'm, I'm sure I'll forget. The, the yeah. over so I'm excited. Who's, for, play, who's playing Blade? Blade, it's Mahershala Ali, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm fairly certain that's who's. So wait, I guess that means we got to count Wesley Snipes against the MCU credit because he played Blade, the original Blade, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Blade, and then that's probably it. I'm excited, like, in terms of things that, like, haven't really been, like, super announced or, like, super publicized, just I'm interested to see what they do with the fan, the new Fantastic Four and who they cast. 
because obviously that's one that they've tried multiple times to do like Spider-Man and just haven't hit the mark. So it will be interesting to see if they get it this time. So, so Chris, right. Am I right when I said Chris Evans and Michael B. Jordan have both played in Fantastic Four? Yeah. They come back and play other guys. It's like the 20 or not 2015, 20, 2005. I don't remember what year it came out, but yeah, before they were both in the actual MCU, they were in like the, the reboot of Fantastic Four with um like Jessica Alba was in one of those Michael with Michael Shabakis. Yeah. I saw the first one. I never original. saw the second one. Yeah, she was in the original Jessica Alba. Um but yeah I'm curious what they do with that especially because when WandaVision was coming out in WandaVision it seems like they were like hinting at Professor Fantastic or whatever his name is. Um why am I blanking? Like the the leader of the Fantastic Four and then they like it was just like some government person and <laughs> And it was just a big letdown, I remember. But yeah, that's what I that's what I'm excited for. I have a question for you if I have time. Okay. If we have time. I'm a journalist naturally, I gotta ask questions. <laughs> yeah, so go you ahead. mentioned earlier, you, you mentioned earlier about I can't remember what film you said it was like, you, you cry harder than any other one. Like you, you cry. Have you cried watching multiple like Marvel movies? Have they brought you to tears? Um, I cried. Well, I cried at No Way Home. Have you seen No Way Home? Okay, I cried at No Way Home when Peter went in and went back to the coffee shop after Ned and MJ had forgotten him. And he's like talking to her and he's like about to pull out the note and then he sees her bandage on her head. That broke, that was horrible. I cried at that. Um, and then I didn't, so I didn't cry at Endgames in theaters really until that end scene with Cap and um, and Peggy, mainly because my friend was like, had been bawling next to me for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it kind of felt like, I was like, I just need to, I guess, also be crying. I like <laughs> teared up at like the portal scene just because it was so, like the music swells and like, you just kind of get overwhelmed a little bit. But then on re-watching, however many months later when it finally came out on digital and they did the, um, they have like the voiceover part right after like Iron Man snaps, but before Tony's funeral where he's like reading, like basically like a letter to the family and stuff. And it's like a montage over all of these different scenes. Montages with with voiceovers always get me. If there's a montage with a voiceover in a film, I will likely be crying. Um, so then when I rewatched it, that made me cry. And I just like cried through the end, but I've watched that movie like umpteen million times now. And I think those were the only two times I cried at it. And those are the only two movies. I don't think any of the other ones have ever gotten me like that. So yeah, you know, I asked for a reason. So the one time that the whole MCU series, got, one time it got me though, and this is gonna sound like so crazy. And I rewatched it the other day too. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, when they do the Ravagers funeral for Yondu, the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh man. Like this is so. They came back when his uh his number two is looking. And he sees that he just yes lets out that that howl that yelp and then like they lighten up the sky and they I'm like oh they they got me I don't know why Yondu was my dude the first time I ever watched that part even thinking about it like oh man I can feel me missing up a little bit that the Ravagers funeral everyone coming back Sylvester Stallone Ving Rhames you know they they give the salute to him like that's that's my part right there yeah that's, a, that's Yondu a has one of my favorite lines in the whole MCU in that movie it was uh when Peter tells him like you like mary poppins he's like is he cool he's like yeah he's like i'm mary 
Mary Poppins, y'all. Like, that's my that's my favorite line in the whole movie. I mean, in yeah. the whole series. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm excited to see the Guardians with Thor and in Love and Thunder. It's gonna be yeah. gonna be great. So yeah. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as of recording right now, I still haven't listened back to see if you can hear that thunder rumbling after we said love and thunder, but an iconic moment. I really hope you can hear it. Here's my top five pop culture things to pay attention to this week slash last week. (laughs) This this one that I'm about to read you was not on my list until 0.5 seconds ago when I was scrolling through twitter waiting for the last recording to finish loading (laughs) it's a tweet that the twitter account culture crave pulled from i guess an entertainment weekly interview with leah michelle (laughs) and it says leah Leah michelle says she once let jonathan groff quote see her vagina vagina using a desk lamp to give him an illustrative lesson and satisfy his curiosity in the female anatomy as a gay man with no practical knowledge of its particulars. <laughs> and I just can we all take a moment? I so they're doing they're doing like a revival or not a revival. They already did a like one night only performance of Spring Awakening, which they both starred in um a long time ago. And it was recorded and is coming out soon, I believe. So I'm assuming that's what this interview was about. I haven't read it yet. But, (laughs) oh boy. (laughs) Really funny. Um, I haven't done a sports one in a moment. So um, the NFL draft is obviously this week. The Jaguars have the first um, pick again this year. They're one of like only like six franchises in history to have back-to-back picks it's happened to the bucks twice like back in the 80s um the browns a couple years ago but um it'll be interesting to see who they pick no i mean obviously they don't need a quarterback i'm not really sure what positions they need to be honest um but i think the whole first round of the draft is going to be interesting this year because we've seen such quarterback heavy drafts the past couple years um with like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and um, Mac Jones. There's his name. I was like forgetting his name for a second. Um, But there's not really a ton of quarterbacks this year. And the teams that really needed quarterbacks either got them last year or like traded this offseason. So first round of the draft should be super interesting. Um... Rachel Zegler had an Entertainment Weekly article last week where she finally kind of spoke out about um, the Ansel Elgort situation. And she basically said, like, it, it was still, like, so unspecific. And, like, people tweeting about it made me think the article was going to be more of a tell-all than it was. But basically she was just, like, it was super upsetting to have to answer for his faults like on the press tour because he didn't talk a lot on the press tour and a lot of the times um he was only in big group stuff and I I honestly don't think I ever saw a clip of him on the press tour but yeah she was basically just like I shouldn't have had to answer for it I'm a 19 year old girl and then like talked about how the like day or two after those allegations came out were like the worst days of her of her life and that was that was kind of it 
Um, Heartstopper. This, I think I'm on my number four pop culture thing to pay attention to. Heartstopper debuted in the top Netflix top 10 on Friday. Jake Fine, who I had on as a guest last episode, and I watched it all in one afternoon. It was so phenomenal. You guys, I, it's, it's so cute. It's like one of the most heartwarming things you'll ever watch in your life. And I just think we all need that type of smile on our faces at the moment. So I would definitely, definitely recommend doing that. And then finally, through two weekends of Coachella, Harry Styles played two new songs and had two phenomenal guests in Shania Twain and Lizzo. I am living off the clips of him and Lizzo from that concert. Um, But yeah, we're now less than a month away from the new Harry Styles album. And we also just got a bunch of leaked tracks from old albums. So lots of Harry Styles in our future, everyone. That's all I have for you this week. Um, Thank you if you have listened to all seven episodes or any part of the seven episodes for following along. Um, And I will be back in the next month or so 